0: Hello! Oh, my God, welcome back. It's wow, do so you guys come here often? <laughs> <laughs> guys, did you like our retrograde
1: episode? Because we did. Oh, yeah. Seriously, died and went to heaven and came back and did that episode. Because Stephanie and Elizabeth are incredibly sweet and insightful. And it was such a beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very surreal to, because I've listened to them for so long, but, um, it just felt like also just talking with friends who were giving us advice on our little baby podcast project, but yeah, it just, it just kind of like humanized the aspect of a podcast that's so big. It's like, it all Mm -hmm. just, everything was from
0: the ground up, you know, gotta start somewhere. And it's like, I remember, I remember this so long ago, but if you guys remember too, you know, when we were kind of, this is like a few episodes back when we had first found out that we were, you know, we got them to be able to interview them. And we're just like, you know, guys, this is going to be a big one for us. And you guys are going to be here for like a, you know, a a little milestone for, for Molly and Alyssa. And it was, and I, and it was important for us to like. That interview was so important on a lot of levels just because, you know, we learned a lot from them, you know, in general because they're so smart and talented. But it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like a leveling up in a way of like um, being able to because we we, we were so Lucky to have such a good, diverse group of a networking, you know, of people that we've mm-hmm. known, we've grown up with, and that's great. But it's like it's another level when you're introducing like professional, like industry professionals, especially in this podcasting industry, right, right. That are and they're so similar to us. Too. Yeah. I don't know if you know. I know it's funny. <laughs> they're so similar but different, and it was so. It's such a learning opportunity. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and. And like, Mm -hmm. here's to many more of those. Yeah. And I hope it
1: encouraged some of you to go listen to their show because it is absolutely wonderful. It covers so many things. And yeah, I definitely listen to them.
0: And we could be talking to new people right now that Retrograde brought over here. Yes, we could. Welcome, guys. If we got any of you over
1: here, hopefully uh, this episode lets you get to know us a little bit and I'm sure to want to stick around.
0: All of a sudden, I'm shy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't look at me um, guys but yeah we were just gonna do a little check in and debrief we do you know if we do have any new listeners we wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to get to know us as the hosts of the show to see if you want to stick around and hear our show um, or not you
0: know what fuck it
1: if you don't want to listen but to us you will yeah. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, what's new? Well, I have some big news for myself. That's what I want to get to. I want to get to Molly's big update because it is so good. I'm so excited. I released my first
1: single from my album that I have been working on this project for years. And with a lot of creative projects, you don't really know you're not really in control of when it's fully formed necessarily. Yeah. You think you are, but as you're creating it and you are growing and evolving as an artist, as a person, the things that you're going through in life. Um, there were many times where I was like, I'm just, cause I have, I have recorded tens and tens of, you know, like 50 plus songs in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that's like, well, why not just, okay, now I want to, okay now. Okay. But, there's something you feel in your gut when you're like, okay, it's time now is it's time and it's ready. And these are the ones that make the cut. And this is how I want to present it. And it just feels in my bones, like this was it. And it actually my, my album is called the ripening, which actually was, um, based on a, a poem that I wrote like five years ago, um usually my writing is just songs but once in a while something will come out that just feels like a poem in and of itself and not really a song (laughs) but i wrote it and and i called it the ripening and i was like that's actually and at the time the last five six years of my life have been really tumultuous and really hard and transformative and so it's funny that the name came before I actually had it had come to a ripening point because to me what that means is like the it's the transformation of the transmuting of pain and and struggle into something beautiful into a work of art it's an and SOS so that's moment. what this album has been for me it has been yeah the transformation of these really difficult years in the industry in my personal life in a lot of ways um and now I feel like I'm have come out the other side and that is when the song was released it's like just i don't know it feels very poetic to me and just um this song the single is called fly and it's on all streaming platforms it is and on so my...
0: good i've been listening to it so Have much really? i wanted to like save like this for the podcast yeah like i love it just me and ryan are both like this is a fucking bop Aww. like you and kip did such a good job with this single like, Thank you. It's so interesting, like, because we just did an episode on, like, acting and like that. But, like, as a singer-songwriter, I find it so fascinating once you, like, what is it that moment where you're like, okay, uh, this is ready to be released? Like, because mm-hmm. it's so it's so personal to you. It's your baby for so long. And then all of a sudden it's, like, not. So that has to be some sort of, like, yeah.
1: I don't know. It's interesting because I, a lot of creatives say that their work is their baby. Like these songs are my babies. and the, But I actually think that it's the other way around mm. where I feel like I am the music's child <laughs> where it's like Your destiny's it child. is. you know, I'm a, a vessel in the sense that like when I'm writing it and creating it and recording it, but I don't own it. Mm. It's like I was used to get it out and then, yeah, it is a little you, of course, you're attached to it and it feels like a your child on some aspect because you're so close to it and then you're like exposing it to the world. But I, you know, while you might have like a mother births her child, but didn't create the soul that that child is that mm-hmm. was already there and she brought it into the world. And so that's what it kind of feels like to me, where once and once you release a work of art, it is then doesn't belong to you anymore because I can't control how it's received and the purpose of it is to be received and however someone receives it is is the art itself that's the purpose of that artwork and so you know not to say you're not attached to how it's received if people were like this is shit I'd be like (laughs) pretty upset but (laughs) but I know what you're saying and it is kind of like you have to you are that close to it, and yet you have to have no attachment to the ownership of it because some, something like, something like that can't be owned. I feel like I am owned by music, mm-hmm. and that's not a negative thing. That's like who I am. Mm-hmm. But the music, I don't own that song. I it came through me, and I want, and I'm the one sharing it. Yeah, but
0: yeah, it's uh, that's so it is really brave. personal. Like like the concept of of releasing any form of artwork whether it's a song or a painting it's so vulnerable and to to get to that point where you're like I don't this is not mine anymore it's the world's and perceive it how you want to perceive it is is so hard (laughs) you know so the Mm -hmm, fact that you can mm -hmm. get to that moment is amazing because being I That's the thing. It's a joke. It's like don't perceive me. I don't want to be perceived. Like you just want to sometimes delete your Instagram and no one like stop (laughs) perceiving me. I don't want to be perceived. Stop perceiving me. It's like I don't (laughs) say that to myself all the time. Like I want to go out into the world today, but I just don't want to be perceived. Just don't (laughs) that word. (laughs) like your body like you're the work that you've been putting so much in and you're giving it yeah. to the world it's such a big moment you know because again yeah people will perceive it, what they want to perceive it is <laughs> and it's it's like you know what a big
1: lesson I've learned throughout the last couple of years of creating these pieces was um separating my yeah like I guess separating myself from what i owe do i owe people anything do they do they get to dictate when i put something out or Mm -hmm. how much i should put out or what i should put out or do i or it's relinquishing some of the control too where actually it's just getting in touch with my own spirit and my gut instincts about my art where there are phases where yeah everything should come out at once and then there are phases it's a cycle and there are cocooning phases to artistry where it's in today's social media world. It is hard because we are constantly told that we need to just put out content all the time. That's how you stay relevant. That's how you stay in the algorithm. Like there's no other way to be seen, you know, (laughs) but then you see people in the algorithm and putting out content and it's ephemeral. It's like over the Mm -hmm. next week because there's more content. And so you're chasing something always and if that if I'm going to be chasing something all the time it can't be validation and and uh can't be that it has to be my own art and so sometimes that chase isn't one that everyone needs to see they Mm -hmm. see the end result of it but it was years of me growing vocal I mean honestly vocally I've changed so much and I I knew that but then when I hear like this end product versus my last project last album I recorded um the last songs I put out really put out which was a, a while ago and it's like so much has changed in my writing and, and my life my life experience and so I it was a um what's the word like surrendering to my experience and what needed to be. And for me, like the lessons I've been through a lot in the industry and the lessons I've learned, um, they don't all, you, you need time to process them and implement them into your life, into your life and into your craft. And so it's easy to be impatient with yourself, but I really am learning to listen to my truest instinct about things and know like Even when I was choosing what song should come first, it's like, oh, overwhelmed, you know, it's like, oh my God, there's so many. What should it be? I love this one, but I love this one. And I just really like, really like quieted all those voices and just sat with myself and was like, just think, just, just what it, you know, what it is, what is it? And that was the one that came to my mind. Fly was the one that I thought of instantly. And I had no, once I sat down and really quieted all those voices and just asked myself, what do you already know? Mm -hmm. And I already knew that. And then I didn't have these voices like, but I also like, but I, it's like when you really tap into what, you know, you don't question it. And then after that, I realized this, the poetry of that song in in particular, I wrote it, I started writing it in 2015. Wow. And it was the very first song of mine that Kip and I ever recorded or like started working on together. Mm -hmm. It was the very first song. That, uh, that I wrote that he and I ever worked on in like 2015. And then at the time I wasn't, I wasn't vocally um, executing it the way it needed to be. It wasn't fully becoming what I wanted it to be and what Kip felt like it could be. And so we put it down and started working on other stuff literally for years, years. And we never touched it again. And then this past fall, um, November, um, he brought it up again and we picked it up and it was magic. It, it, it just worked all this. After all of these years of working on all the other aspects of myself as an artist, this one song was just put down and we picked it back up. Instantly, it was magic. I re-recorded all the vocals. Um, he redid a lot of the music to it. Um, mm-hmm. I, re- I wrote the bridge and the other pieces of it just in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so and then and I didn't even think about it like this, but I was like, wow, this was the first song. That we recorded, and it was the last one that we recorded, and it was my first single, and that spanned the whole pro. And that's what the ripening is to me. It's from that time to now. Yeah, and yeah, it was just it's very like bookends to a yeah period of time that I'm yeah. That's crazy. To show people, yeah.
0: It's interesting too, like that writing process. I saw something today on I think it was like Instagram. It was like a video of do you know the director Taiko White White T Taiko White? He's a writer. No, he did like ragnarok and jojo rabbit oh, okay. um but he's he's really talented and he was doing like a panel um and he was asked about his writing process and what he does is like he'll write something um put it away and then you a year later or a few years later we'll take it out And be and like usually be like what the fuck what 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 did I make of this Mm -hmm. and then throw it out and then recreate it from page one from Mm. what from memory to see to like to to, by memory just to see like you know he'll remember the most important exactly the most important parts of that material to recreate and make it better. That's a really I like that, but it kind of sounds like what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you kind of put it away. You had like a, you know, a chorus or, or maybe something. Uh-huh. I had like the, I had the verses to it, the
1: bones of it. And yeah, the bones of it. Um, and the chorus a little bit, but yeah, the, it, it, I know it's interesting because, and some, some works of art are the opposite where it just pours out of you in 20 minutes and, and the whole thing is done and ready. And you feel that it's done and it's ready. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing is like, you know, when people are asking uh right about your creative process, it's obviously you know too as an artist in general, it it depends on the piece I'm working. <laughs> it's different every time. Yeah. There are similarities and there are some common threads, but no no one creation or no two creations are the same. Yeah. And the process, yeah, I have some stuff that I that I didn't touch for years like that one. And then they come back and they are like my favorite. I'm they just like, like this one you leads in the, the past because <laughs> in all honesty, the last number of years working on the ripening, um, I made many versions of the track list and that was never on it. Mm. And so, yeah, it just really, I feel like divine timing and alignment are here. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really proud of it. Really proud of it. Um, I did, I did, um, all the background vocals. I just worked, I recorded my own vocals on that and I learned a lot about, even just like throughout the last couple of years about um production and engineering and the cra- my vocals alone, just the craft of it. And um, I also put out on my Instagram, I have a little, well, mollycatrell.com. I have my merch there. This is what I designed. I spent so much time on my website and my merch and I'll be having periodic Uh, throughout the year as I trickle out the singles there'll be more merch drops and more items that I'm designing and putting together Um, so yeah it's just been a little mini rebirth that I have learned to just I read this quote um, a while back and it resonated with me because I was like okay I have all this stuff ready now I have I've come to this place and my music and I just you get impatient and you're like i to put this out and then I have to do this and then I have to do and it's a Uh, The quote was grow it like a garden Mm. and you don't just like plant a seed and tomorrow you have a tree. And, and if it's going to last, it needs to have that time to have the roots. And I'm not trying to just have a one hit single or just get one write up. Like I'm trying to build a sustainable, timeless career, whatever that looks like for myself with my artistry and, and a fulfilling one and one that, stands a test of time and that's
0: not something that um happens instantly it's so that is so true um also i wish i uh i wanted to have my molly shirt oh yes <laughs> but it, it, oh, it's yeah. coming next week so um everyone watching on youtube i just um, saw that yours shipped out yeah i'm so excited to get coming. It. <laughs> um but it's so interesting when you talk about that too of like everything that you've been doing and like doing the vocals for and then finding the merch for it and like learning all these aspects and it's all adapting, right? It's like, you're just adapting. We talked about this in our, what would Molly and Alyssa do episode about like how to adapt in this world. And you were talking earlier about like the social media aspect of it all, where it's just like, I got to put out more, I got to put out more, I got to do this. And it's like, you want to adapt, but it's also just like you lose yourself in changing that way because you know, what are you sending out? Is it authentic? Are you really mm-hmm. proud of it? Or are you just pressured to do it? Yeah. And I feel like that comes from like the binge mentality that our generation is You're like right. literally like we've, you said surrender, like have completely surrendered to, for lack of a better word. Like mm-hmm. it's just every, when all episodes are released on Netflix or Hulu, it's yeah. like, we got to get it now. We got to get it now. We need more content. And, and, so that is going to trickle into different mediums of artwork, yeah. whether it's I mean mostly music, I feel like, is is it a... Yeah, definitely.
1: I, I know and the and the thing I've had a hard time with is I'm so I I mentioned this before, but um I have so many memories of the importance of the analog aspect of listening to an album like a I understand people aren't buying CDs and I'm not putting out a physical CD anymore because that's just not what it is. But there, it has to be a way to adapt to bring that experience of holding that CD in your hand, pulling out the album foldout, mm-hmm. seeing the lyrics, seeing the the photos that were in the foldout that were not in—you couldn't find them anywhere else. They're not online. Instagram didn't exist. Mm. They're not in any magazine. These photos were for the album foldout only, and you had to own that and to for have them.
0: You, it's you. And yours.
1: the lyrics were printed there, yeah. and you just look over them all, and all they're. The foldouts are tattered, and I, I just remember looking at this uh, Mariah Carey foldout from one of her CDs when I was little, and she was on the beach. It was like these black and white photos, just beautiful, and th- every aspect of the photo I memorized. Like, I remember this one picture where her foot was like partway buried in the sand, and just everything about it, you create yeah. a mood that's just like... The experience of listening and and you listen to the whole album and then you remember to the point you listen to it in its entirety mm-hmm. as an album to the point where if you hear one of the songs on the radio, when the song ends, you instantly hear the intro to the next song yeah. because you're so used to listening to the whole project. And yeah. I there's a line between acknowledging like, yeah, that's not the way the world is anymore. It's OK. But it also doesn't mean you just abandon all that and just jump on the fast train of like TikTok trends. It's like there's mm-hmm. a current way, there is a modern way to bring that experience to somebody. And I have, and I'm not going to give away my ideas yet because <laughs> I'm really excited about it, but I have a, I did have a thought of like, wow, what today's version of, a, of a, an album foldout would be and how do you create that? Because people don't, yeah, some people might buy like I, I want to have vinyl press. That'll be really mm-hmm, cool for sure. Mm-hmm. And some people might buy it, but that's like its own thing. It's a niche it's thing. Niche yeah, it's so but bizarre. what is something relevant today that could represent that? And um, I have it in the works, so I will let Ooh. you guys know. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's creatively adapting wi- without, um, there's a way to adapt without giving up and surrendering the things that matter to you and that you care about Because it's easy to be like, well, I care about holding a CD in my hand and people Mm -hmm. listening to all 12 tracks at once Or all okay, but that's not going to happen now. And that doesn't mean you just give up on that concept. You have to get creative.
0: I know. And it's like, what voice do you listen to when it comes to like, how do I even like (laughs) muster up my creativity if I'm not, you know, if I'm not pleased with the way the world is evolving or if I'm not pleased with the way I'm evolving, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like... what I think is you listen to the voice of
1: your childhood self. Yes. Because I've thought about that. And and that's my best answer I've come to so far, because I think about that too. Like, how do I, anytime it's going to be someone else that you're like, I go to this person for this always, that's mm-hmm. the way I get through. It's still going to be slightly disconnected from who you are. And you can't go to your current self because you're currently in this world that's different and changing. And what I, for myself, at least I I realized like, okay, I go to like my nine-year-old self obsessing in my room over staying up after bedtime and turning on my little light and just memorizing lyrics on this paper. And like, that is what I, the voice I have to go to, because that, that child was not concerned with. It was the experience. it wasn't, oh, it has to be an album fold out. It was just this is joyful to me, this matters to me, this gives me something exactly and and I wasn't worried about
0: staying in any boxes, you know- mm-hmm. yeah i i Kids I' have it figured out man i I relate to that too so much, and um, you know, we've been talking a lot about personally, and then you'll you guys will see this episode about the acting industry and the toxicity yeah. that involves. So it's, it's been a thing where I've had to like rely on that voice. I've had to rely on the child that's been wanting to mm-hmm. act since as early as I can remember and, and, yeah. and express myself in different ways. But that's, it's tricky too, because it's like, I don't know, as an actor, you're like, I want to express myself but how you're expressing yourself is through other people's voices if you're not writing exactly. it. Exactly. So it's that it can be kind so of a confusing mind to me. Fuck of just like finding who you are at the same time of literally your job is to be someone else. Right. And to read words
1: someone else wrote for you and to look like how someone else wants you to look to say those words. Like it's so I was gonna ask you in that regard, your writing.
0: Oh god. Like you haven't
1: you told me that you spent a long time not writing and that you always used to write and then I'm wondering if in this context of this conversation when you really get in touch with like your childhood self because you're starting to do it again is like that what comes out then because you start to release yourself of these rules or these inhibitions or self-perceptions or you're just like then
0: mm-hmm. you then you open back up to just writing. Well, it's, like, fucked up, too, because, like, I, I'm so thankful that I've gotten this bug again where I've wanted to write because it, I remember being young. This is, like, 14 was the last time I, I, I was, like, excited to write. Like, I wanted to be a writer. Like, I, I wanted to act, too, but, like, writing was just, like... Mm-hmm. well this is the thing this is why like i loved podcasting and doing this with you because this was control right like i had control i'm, I'm finally in control right. of an of of uh, an expression of mine and what you're saying yeah where in the acting world you're beholden to whatever uh casting director you're beholden to your agent you know of just like what i'm supposed to do in that moment what who i'm supposed to be in that moment which is fine like you can turn off that like critic and and and, and do that and, and and learn from it but it's it's disheartening to not have any sort of control in the career you want to do so this was such an amazing opportunity for that and I have to credit this podcast to eventually developing into so many other things that I'm doing and Mm -hmm. writing is one of them but I say it's fucked up because it's like we're also in a pandemic right like we've had to adapt this podcast into something not something else but like just adapt right in general and come and we've also lost our day jobs from that <laughs> Like and mm-hmm. we've had to fucking Thank figure God. this out so it's like it's fucked up because I've had to get to this sort of rock I bottom know. moment where you're like you have well me specifically because I don't have a day job anymore it's like now's now's the time Alyssa put up or shut up like you know what the things that are going around in here and the things that are going around in here do something with it because you're just sitting around and stewing in your anxiety and you're like, what the fuck do I do next? And you're not doing something with it. This is the time to listen to that nine-year-old. This is the time to um, not be afraid anymore of what you express and what people will yeah. perceive you because it's just life is too fucking short.
1: That's the thing. And and then, yeah, you're right. And then when you look at, like when you look at your favorite creators whether they're actors musicians even just like an instagram feed that someone that inspires you and that you love one of the things for me i'm curious if it's the same for you Mm -hmm. there's a common thread they're all totally different personalities different crafts different backgrounds but it's this um level of i I hate i really hate the word unapologetic because i feel like it's been commandeered (laughs) into this like annoying feminism that's like i'm unapologetically me and i i get it but it's like that word is annoying to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but the common thread with all these uh creators and artists that i respect and love and and that really resonate with me and hit me is that they are releasing their craft without explaining it Mm -hmm. and 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 they might do interviews where they explain what the song's about or their process that's not what i mean without making excuses for any of it, mm-hmm. because
0: Yeah. It's like, it's put like out a a, It's a defending, like it's, like, it's a it's yes. like defense, defensiveness to it. That you have to explain Yes, it's like, I just why. wanna put
1: out, and like I said, anything, whether it's an Instagram post or an entire song or oh an album. Oh my God, yes. Um, I don't, I need, to, we all need to release ourselves from the idea that we have to explain ourselves. If you want to, you should. But there's there are so many things where it's just like, like, for example, especially as a new artist, because I've thought about this with uh, Beyonce, who (laughs) the entire world knows everything about her or like every they've seen her whole evolution. They've seen her be sweet. They've seen her be empowering. They've seen her be sexy. They've seen her
0: Mm -hmm. all these
1: sides of herself that she has now been able to express. And we all can see the multifaceted side of her as a human through her art. And she can put out a song talking about her hot sex and people won't think anything about it that oh she's she's just a sex kitten she's just a whatever people call females who sing about sex mm-hmm. because she also has songs about her daughter and she's also put out songs about empowering women and she's also put out songs about racial injustice and she's mm-hmm. also she now when an artist gets to that level they are released from that scrutiny of perception to the degree where it's like no one's gonna hear one single song and think that that one song is Defines who you are them. it yeah. is it is accepted as a moment in time her angry song is <laughs> about being cheated on everyone accepts that's where she was at the time it doesn't mean she hates jay-z but but people now see it that way but when you're not beyonce and you're just and even to any level below beyonce mm-hmm. it's like you know, for me with my first one of the reasons it was so overwhelming at first, like what song do I put out? Because I have like really like moody, I have up tempo, like faster ones, I have I have slower ones, I have darker ones, I have and then but if I put my first one is what people are gonna think I am and then and it's just like right. wait, 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 wait. You don't have to be in a rush to prove that you're also this and you're also this. That's why it's grow it like a garden and put out your first thing and then release yourself from people's assumptions or make that post on Instagram. And if somebody's like, oh, she just thinks she's oh, she's too sexy. Oh, she thinks she's funny. Oh, she's like so into her act of it. Yeah, I am that right now. I am. And tomorrow I'm this. And if you Mm -hmm. people just need to acknowledge that everyone else around you is just as multifaceted as you are. And if people don't realize that about you, that's not even your problem. And as artists, it's really hard to accept that because you put out a work of art and then, you know, it says something about you. And then it's easy to be like, but I also (laughs) want to say this about myself. Just let one song do its job. (laughs) Just say something, put it out there, leave the room. Yes. And then come back and say something else and leave the room. And the people who are still there by the time you've come into the room 30 times, they're the ones that matter and they're going to know who you are.
0: Well, it's so interesting because like, that's so true. And that's why I was like, that's amazing. They can get to that point where you're like, fuck it. I don't care how you perceive me. I don't care. I don't give a fuck anymore. Cause it's like, it's beyond me. And then I'm like, am I a bad person? Because (laughs) I think about, I think about how I think of like an artist and I would love to hear your opinions on like Taylor Swift, because like, I will have this gut reaction Because I've liked a lot of her songs and, like, what she stands for. But, like, I'll have this kind of, like, gut reaction where I'm just like, I am fucking tired of you talking about your exes and your famous celebrity relationships. Yeah, you're tired of her talking about her exes. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, you're all of your celebrity relationships, like, I, I, I can't hear it enough because it's also, like, I feel, and this could be this, I don't know, internalized misogyny or just, like, I don't know what it is of just you know um, you, you're getting into these relationships <laughs> and then like, but you don't want to be defined by them at the same time. So it's like, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's cause I'm, I don't, I don't listen to her as much as every, everyone else. And it's like the, my own shit when I'm listening to her that I'm projecting possibly it's, but it, well, it, it yeah, that that's fair and separate from the fact. I mean, that's what art
1: is for. Yeah. It's to make other people listen and, and react and feel and, the point and what it's kind of why I say it's separate is because on her end all she her highest self at her truest form all she can and I'm not a t- I am not I do not like Taylor Swift music I <laughs> as a person I think uh, or the interviews I've read and like her I respect her as yeah. an artist in the industry and her um, I respect her business sense and all those things her music I don't like mm-hmm. I've never been down with but that's the point that's my point is that her job as the artist if she's doing it correctly, is to put out her stuff and leave the room and leave us here, you're not a bad person. We all, Mm -hmm. that's what we are supposed to do is digest it and make us feel and make us think things. And so she, as an artist, she did her job. And Mm -hmm. then we as listeners are doing our job if we consider what it makes us feel. I agree with you, I'm like, I'm sick of hearing about like your diary entries about like how you're uh, whatever. But, but I'm not her, I'm not her audience. And that's the thing where that's why I said, you know, you come in the room, say something and leave and you do that periodically. And then by the time Mm. you've done it enough times, only the people still standing in the room are the ones that need to be there. And I'm not standing in Taylor Swift's room and neither are you because we're over it, but that's (laughs) not her problem because she's just, she just has to put it out there and, and leave and and so it's like you know in that sense it's that's
0: the symbiotic relationship it's like the audience right. and then the artist yeah it's like you feed off of mm-hmm. what they are perceiving and then you leave mm-hmm. you take what you need and, and leave what you want yeah and this is interesting too and i'm thinking about this we've kind of talked about this too in um if you're a loyal listener and watcher of sos we went into molly's uh journey into this industry and the r&b industry and like i i ask you again too it's like do you have that kind of thing that comes to mind especially because you're in an r&b world you're in an R in in, um, field world what the fuck am i (laughs) genre genre yeah yeah World. (laughs) like do you feel like um sort of like with it when it comes to like making music and leaving it for someone else to digest do you feel an extra sort of pressure of just like well i'm a white girl in the r&b world am i going to be perceived in this way of just like trying to make music like like how do you how do you reckon with
1: that Um, yes and but i don't think it's a negative pressure i think that's a responsibility that white artists especially in r&b um Are required to consider that's your responsibility in your creative process that's like the way I view it where it's in the creative process of writing my songs choosing the words that I'm gonna say yes there's that pressure but it's a necessary pressure and I it's a pressure that fuels me because I have a lot to say about those things and (laughs) I am constantly Taking a step back and looking what I'm saying, looking at what I'm saying, and asking myself, like, am I being, am I missing something? Because mm. I'm always going to be white. I'm never going to be a black per- person listening to my songs. So, I, I do. I take that is a pressure that I welcome, and it is a responsibility. But then once it's released, that's when the pressure. It's in the creation process that I take that pressure on, mm-hmm. and then I've once I've made those decisions said what I want have chosen to say in these songs um in releasing it is the letting go part because yeah. that I have already done those uh that I've already had those thoughts because yeah, it is it's a constantly a thing, and I also feel like um a th- there's a lot of like where are there's a lot of we all know there's a lot of black artists out there singing about racial injustices Mm -hmm. um obviously because it's their life that they're living in their ancestors lives and they're shouting for people to pay attention and yeah there have been white artists who have done that but when I really look at the mainstream I'm like where are the white artists talking about this and and Mm -hmm. not just talking about it in terms of can we all love one another and <laughs> in generic terms Blech. white artists are very comfortable <laughs> yeah. saying what especially white artists and b it's like oh i'll jump on a song that's preaching to love one another and no hate and why can't we all just and and they'll say even now i'll say that george floyd was wrong or mm-hmm. i'll reference kaepernick and i'm cool with that but beyond dig deeper and the the real meat of what you want to say uh, what needs to be said and I and I this is a sincere question because they're very well they very well could be out there, um, but where are the white artists that are really saying something mm-hmm. that are not just jumping on the bandwagon of peace and love and I support Kaepernick and George Floyd's murder was wrong, what else because that's not enough and and that was a thing too for me with my a lot of my writing does address that and I was like really wanted to lead with that in my, in, uh, my first single. And I, I explained the process of choosing my first single and I, and I stand by that too. So it was like a patience I had to practice where that's a part of me and my belief that is part of me and my belief structure that I want out there immediately. I want everyone to know this about me. And so you get this impatience to like, I need, this needs to come out and then this need, and then they need to know this too. Yeah, But it's
0: like, yeah, it's, it's a whole. And that's a whole uh, other thing too, because like, um, I'm going to bring up Taylor Swift again. I'd seen a clip Mm -hmm. of her documentary that's on Netflix of her talking about how because it took a while for her because she preaches feminist ideals, but she'll never like, you know, use her platform. It it took her a while to use her platform to actually talk about politically. Yes, exactly. To talk about um, injustices with Black Lives Matter or with women and or anything. And there was a moment where she was talking about how it's like all of her people were telling her to like not. Like, to, like, shut up and and just make music. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. when you're that, when you get to that sort of where you have, like, a huge team of people telling you that, like, know better that are telling you to shut up and just make music or just shut up and and do whatever art form, it's, like, what, it's, like, such a mind fuck because you're, like... You know you want to listen to the people that know better but you also have so much to say that's influencing your artwork that you're releasing so it's like right. a i catch 22 am i if i shut up will you know will this record sell or if i am actually politically outspoken and people know where i come from will that affect my record sales in that front like mm-hmm. you know it's like what do you fucking do well, and it's like you know then
1: you have to think about it like OK, if they care so much that I don't say this, why it must mean that if I do say this, it is going to have an impact.
0: hmm.
1: And I think that's the angle that no, I don't want to say should because I haven't been in Taylor Swift's shoes, but I would hope if I were in that position that I would take that. And she obviously did because she spoke up. So it's like you really i mean it's easy to look around like oh these people know better they're telling me what do they know better or do they just know exactly how big of your how big your influence is and they're trying you know what i mean like if you if it if you saying those things wasn't going to have an impact on people exactly they wouldn't tell you not to do it so then you just ask do i want to have this impact or not
0: yep um it's also crazy too because it's like if you're going to be in this industry like you have to like know where you're coming from and know where you know like like you basically it's like you know what you mm-hmm. want to say, you've like made it a, a, a not a, I wouldn't even say passion you know we have this it's like you mm-hmm. a, a necessity to learn who came before you in this field yeah. and like everything that surrounds it, you know, just what's happening in the world generally. Like it's so important yeah. to to be an artist and to be well-informed, to know like who came before you, because like it's going right. to, it's going to come out in your work when you don't know what the fuck you're saying and like who exactly. you are. Like it, it's going to be so easy to be like, you're not, you. I can't trust what you're saying because like, you're not it's not based in reality i think that was also an issue i had with taylor swift it was just like yeah to keep using her as an example it's like a lot of artists out there where i'm just like we gotta like i don't know it's hard to like the the shooting of it all you talked about that retrograde of just like (laughs) you know i don't want to wag my finger at artists but it's like i don't know i feel like it's so important to not think of yourself as this monolith or just that you you're a figurehead the... exactly and to like I am this mm-hmm. like I am now
1: I don't know like I'm the spokesperson for this yeah so everything I do has to reference this that is the opposite of creativity
0: oh yeah I know it's like you want to have meaning behind what you're listening to but you mm-hmm. also just want it to be like a fun bop at the same time <laughs> right right and that's why
1: it's like <laughs> Giving artists the opportunity, or not that artists taking the opportunity to to be multidimensional, where it's like like fly, like my first single, fly. It mo- It's like a summer jam. It's like chill, but it moves. And then mm-hmm. it's like, but I also like, but you also sometimes want like something that's like more gritty and faster, and like a real like up tempo live live music situation song but Mm -hmm. then you also want like a really reflective ballad kind of thing and then you also it's like yeah okay so do it yeah but how does that happen one at a time (laughs) but artists have to take that opportunity and and that's the hard part because especially when you get to someone's level like Taylor Swift where you do have all these people in your ear and you as an artist are the figurehead but there's a whole machine behind you and so it's like You are being told who you are and what's resonating with people. And yeah, that's resonating with people. But why do you think that people won't allow you room to grow as a person the way that they do?
0: I, (laughs) yeah it's a mess it's such a mess but it isn't because like this is important conversation to have because it's like this is what we digest uh, you know as consumers but also us as individual artists and like Mm -hmm. what we want to say individually and what we want to express by remaining authentic by not feeling by not feeling the pressure too much that it just makes you like not trust your own voice and being like, well, Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's no way I can, I can live up to what's expected of me. You know, it's like what I should be doing and what I should be saying. And like, you know, like you said, it's like what, you know, only can get to the Beyonce level where you have all these different albums expressing different moments of your life. And like Mm -hmm. how I can relate to that is just like, well, I've been an actor my whole life and my peers know me as an actor, but if I start writing, are they going to take me seriously? When I started this Uh podcast, are they going to take me seriously with this podcast? Mm -hmm. It's like you doubt yourself because you want to talk about something new. You want to try something new, but is that, is that going to be perceived in the way you want it to? Does it matter? it reminds me of
1: what Elizabeth said in our interview with Elizabeth and Stephanie from That's a Retrograde. We asked about imposter syndrome, and she said oh, she's yeah. like, "That's not a thing. I that know. doesn't exist." If I know. you're podcasting, you're a podcaster. If you're writing, you're a writer. Like it's so much wasted energy, and I loved that because it's
0: like, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so obvious, I was just, we were just like t- asked about like what, and I was just like, I I, I put writer down. You're like, Mom, you're like Alyssa. Put yep. writer down. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's like, why do we think that we
1: need to have been featured in the New York Times to call ourselves a writer? Like what?
0: I, I mean, I how? Know. What? And I think, you know, I and mean, then this is a bigger conversation that we don't have to have right now, but I feel like that's a fucking symptom of capitalism too. It's oh, like, if you're not making is. all of your money off of podcasting if i'm making all of your money off of writing then fuck you you don't get to write that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. but- oh my <laughs> gosh that just
1: reminded me of something um this is actually a perfect thing to like wrap up this episode with because it was this little kid um i met the other day it was like somebody's son that i know and and he um how old is he 11 or 9 anyway he was like um we're sitting there with me and an, and another adult, just two adults. We had never met him before. so our first time meeting him. He's very comfortable with adults. He just sits down. He just starts conversation. And this question that he asked to a stranger, an adult stranger that he's never met. And we adults ask each other all the time. It's like you meet someone and they're like, so what do you do? Like, what do you do? Even if you don't mean financially, how do you make your money? But it's like, what's your career? Mm-hmm. What do you What do? you do?" He said, so what are you good at? Oh. Uh. And that was like his genuine, like, that's his first question that he really wanted to know of this person he just met. And I was like, oh my God, like, why do we not ask each other that? Not what do you do? That might be what you're good at, but that is not getting at the meat of who this person is. And when you hear them speak about what they think they're good at, that gets somewhere. And I was like, that is the best question. And I am only ever going to ask that now.
0: It is. It was so. You know, eye-opening. it's so interesting. It reminded me of a lyric that, like, I just figured out this was the lyric to the song because I've loved the song. It, you know, the song. Um, uh, smells like Teen Spirit, the Nirvana mm-hmm. song. Um, mm-hmm. I've been listening to that a lot recently, and I f- found out that the a fucking lyric and it's because I wasn't really listening. And it's the line is, and it's so beautiful. It's like I'm worst at what I do best. Oh. <laughs> I'm worst at what I do best. And for that gift, I am blessed. It's so, I love wow. that line so much. And like, it's so interesting. It's like to ask that question because that could be the reality of that question because of mm-hmm. like, you're listening to so many voices. This is what I'm taking of it. You can interpret this line in so many mm-hmm. different ways, but like why that resonates with me is because you can be listening to all the wrong voices you know, telling you how you should express yourself if you're if you're a singer or if you're an actor, if you're just, you know, being told to write only about this or 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 you're uh, you're pigeonholed into this one role or you're just a product. It's like you're going to feel bad at it at the same time, you know, and that's like the journey of an artist and what you want to express. Like sometimes what you're good at is like. Yeah. You know, how do you tackle it? You know, it's like the writing aspect that I'm trying to get it or I am getting into. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. It's, you are into it. I know. It's it's so it's so interesting. And um, yeah, I, I wonder if I, it, people can <laughs> relate to that. And yeah, you know, I it, love that. I, I, it's like such a
1: simple line. And if you're to ask a stranger that. Yeah. Very quickly. First of all, it's going to cause self-reflection on their part that they probably weren't expected to do like, whoa, that I can't just blanket answer what I do with m- what my day job is or that I have a family or that I know. What are you good at? It's going to force them to get deep with themselves. And then it's going to force you. Th- it's going to force a an immediate like you have to sk- You I hate small talk. You skip the small talk. Mm-hmm. You just get right to that person. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe when we make merch, we should just have a shirt that says, what are you good at? Oh, my God. I love that because I mean, I'm just like that is the most. I, do, I love it. I love it. This kid like, shook my world yes. up. And he's 11. He's had life figured out. You've seen
0: Sister Act 2, right? No. Wait, what? you know what? With Don't Lauren ask me these things, Alyssa. Lauren I Hill, probably, yeah. Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill. I'm bad with movies. But you, the one with Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yes. Okay, that's the one. Okay. There's a line in there, and I, literally, I, I was a kid watching this, and I'm just like, oh my fucking God, this is this is what you remember, guys. There was a part where Whoopi Goldberg is going to Lauren Hill, and Lauryn Hill is obviously, like, she's playing this girl that, like, wants to be a singer, but, like, his, her mother's discouraging her from it because you can't make money. It's like this, like, catch 20, she doesn't know what to do. And Whoopi Goldberg turns to her and she goes, do you wake up every morning and all you want to do is sing? And she goes, yeah. And she's like, then you're a singer. That's it. If that's all, when you wake up and that's all wow. you want to do, then you're a singer. If uh, When you wake up and all you want to do is, and that's true for anything. If you wake up and that's what you want to do for the rest of your day, and that's what's like feeding you, mm-hmm. then that's what you are. And don't mm-hmm. doubt it.
1: Wow. I love that. Anyway. Wow. I'm moment of silence. My dog's <laughs> freaking out. Come here, mama. Come here. Close um, out the episode yeah. with us. Come I, here. I, no okay well thank you guys for tuning in for this one i feel like these these episodes are important from time to time where we just kind of this is all centered around these are sos moments packed into this episode just what that every artist has every person has no matter what your career path it's just um and i want to continue to Make sure our listeners feel connected to us and understand where we're coming from as we continue to bring guests on the show. But, Amen. Yeah, this is, yeah, this was good to, (laughs) this is low key uh, therapy session.
0: Yeah, it really is and I hope um it is for our listeners too who have known us for so long, who have been following our journey and like like you know th- this is who we are as people. Like we have these conversations and either with our with each other or <laughs> alone in your room and I'm like there's no way we're alone in this and uh mm-hmm. this is why we created this podcast is to have conversations like this and to so if you guys relate to this, like yeah. you said please reach out to us on Instagram the sos pod
1: yes twitter instagram um join our patreon if yeah. you can we have different uh levels we have three dollars a month seven dollars a month or eleven dollars a month any of it helps support us we're trying to grow um and uh shout out to nijah
0: brooks yes. and steve ginn there's like a couple of our patrons like we love them so much you're gonna get good we gave them goodies and like we're so like you know they instagrammed it it was so cool so yeah, like we'll shout guys. you guys out like if you want to be a patreon mm-hmm. a patron go to our patreon we're going to shout you out and send you so much love because you deserve it you know subscribe yes. to us on apple Podcasts, spotify anywhere you have you podcasts where you consume it youtube as mm-hmm. with molly and Alyssa. just like you know find yeah. us anywhere y'all yes Shout out to uh, Black I'm, Lives Matter.
1: <laughs> what? Shout oh out yeah, to- Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. I almost went on a whole tangent on that. Okay, well, I always do. Okay, so thank you guys for listening. I'm Molly Cottrell. I'm Alyssa Rosano. And here's to turning meltdowns into magic.